0: Kia shalom. It's great to be back with you. I've uh, been away for a month in the Philippines. And uh, I love Christmas. Hands up those who love Christmas. I love it, and I'll tell you what, I don't know another country that celebrates Christmas quite like the Philippines. They celebrate for four months. They start in September. In fact, it's called the Burr months. September, October, November, and December. And they celebrate right up through December, right into January as well. And uh, it's just a fantastic time to be there. There's um, something really exciting and joyful about Christmas, isn't there? I love the lights. In fact, I I try and cover our house completely with lights inside and out. So uh, if I look tired, it's because I was doing that yesterday. And uh, I love um, Christmas trees and my wife loves decorating them as well. And I love Christmas carols. But I guess the um, thing that we like the most is the pr- gifts, the presents. You know, the gifts giving to other people, but the thing we like the most is those that are given to us, eh? And um, the problem is that we can be disappointed in those gifts. But I'm lucky. I have a birthday in January. So if I don't get what I want at Christmas. I can put it on the list for my birthday. Another occasion we like to give gifts is when a baby is born, particularly the first one, because often the parents, they know nothing about bringing up children, and they haven't been able to acquire all that you need for babies, so they like us to give them something to help. And so we tend to be a little bit more strategic. Instead of giving cards and um, chocolates and flowers, we like to give something really helpful. And, And I'm just going to give you a brief suggestion, okay? Diaper, nappies, cuddly toys. Zinc cream, onesies, towels, cuddly toys. Blankets, sheets, cuddly toys. Practical, useful, and very welcome gifts, When Jesus was born, we don't read that the shepherds brought anything. So when we hear that the magi are coming, they're in anticipation. Here are the wise people, the the rich and the powerful. What are they going to bring? We expect nothing but the best. You know, the pure cotton sheets, the finest linen clothes, the uh, beautifully adorned garments... But that's not what they brought. Let's read what the Bible says. Would you please stand with me as we read the Bible together? I'm reading from Matthew chapter 2. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea, during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, "'Where is the one who is born King of the Jews?' We saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. When he called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Christ was to be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, "'for out of you will come a ruler "'who will be a shepherd of my people Israel.' "'Then Herod called the Magi secretly "'and find out from them the exact time the star had appeared. "'He sent them to Bethlehem and said, "'Go and make a careful search for the child. "'As soon as you find him, report to me "'so that I too may go and uh, worship him.' "'And they heard the king and went on their way.' And the star they'd seen in the east went before them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary. They bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, of incense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route please be seated. Just imagine being Joseph and Mary. You're away from home, you're still feeling overwhelmed by the fact that not only have you brought the Son of God into the world, but additionally you have to provide for him, protect him, train him as a human child as well. And when he was born, you had to search for somewhere for him to be born. Only place available was a cave in the side of a hill where the animals are kept. And Jesus was laid in an animal feeding trough. There was no family gathered around to celebrate, no warmth of a family home, just a cold cave. And you're there feeling rejected and lonely and exhausted and overwhelmed. And suddenly you hear the sheep bleating. And they're getting nearer. What on earth is happening? Shepherds arrive and they stand there gazing at you, but actually not so much you as at the baby. And they tell of seeing angels and hearing about Jesus' birth. And eventually they go on their way again and they're left as a family alone. We don't know for sure how much longer it was before the Magi arrived, but what we do know is that Jesus must have been under two years old because King Herod consulted the Magi and decided when they didn't come back until where Jesus was born, he would go and kill every child under two years old. However long it was, it doesn't really matter. The fact is that Mary and Joseph and Jesus had gone back to a sort of normal life again. They resumed their role as parents, a new odd sort of normality, and yet they probably still had their doubts, their fears, their questions. Is Jesus really the promised Messiah? Was all that happened just a dream or uh, over-exaggerated imagination? What are we supposed to do now? And then suddenly, through the darkness and gloom of their insecurity and apprehension, they hear a loud disturbance. Camels are grunting and coming even closer. And the people are running and shouting. And suddenly, some very smart men arrive. They look very rich and powerful. They've obviously traveled for months and are now excited to have reached their final destination. The camels kneel down and they dismount. The entire crowd gathers around to watch. Three of the nobles converse and then approach bearing their gifts. They're looking straight ahead. They don't even see Mary and Joseph. Their gaze is totally fixed on Jesus. One by one, they kneel down and bow before him and open their gifts. But what gifts? Not what we would expect. Forget the nappies, the clothes, the rattles, and the cuddly toys. They gave very strange gifts. And I want us to look at the gifts they gave and try and discover why they gave them. The first one joyfully presents his gift of gold. The second humbly gives his gift of incense. The third seems almost embarrassed and reluctant and hesitant. Nevertheless, he kneels and gives his gift of myrrh. Gold, incense, myrrh, what strange gifts for a baby. The first was the gift of gold. Hands up those who'd like gold. That'd be all right, wouldn't it? The gold is very valuable. It represents royalty, purity, and truth. Gold is very precious because there aren't very vast amounts of it. In fact, to get gold in the first place, we have to take rock, and then we have to put that in a furnace, and the gold runs out and then that's collected into a vat and the heat is increased and impurities in the gold come to the surface and they're scraped away and the heat is increased and then more impurities are released and they come to the top and then they're scraped away and that process is continued until it shines like glass and you can see a perfect reflection in the mirror Yes, gold is a priceless gift. Gold also speaks of purity. Jesus was the royal prince, a baby born to be king. The Magi had searched in a palace, but they didn't find him They found him here. It was said that Jesus was sinless. He told no lies. Even Pilate, the one who condemned him to death, said he found no fault in him because he was sinless and pure. Gold also speaks of truth. Pure gold is marked with a stamp, it's called a hallmark. That's how we know it's genuine gold. Can you think? God arranged for baby Jesus to receive gold as a sign to announce to the entire world that he is precious, he is a king, he is pure, he is truth, he is the one true reality. The second gift was incense. Incense speaks of two things, worship and forgiveness, Incense is burnt as an act of worship and represents a relationship with God. God alone is worthy of worship. Jesus can be worshipped because he is God. God the Father arranged for incense to be given to Jesus as a sign to the entire world that Jesus is God. We all long for a relationship with God, But we find we can't do it on our own. We all try in all sorts of different ways, but there's only one way. Jesus said, I am the way. No one comes to the Father except through me. Oh, yes, we can all know God, that there is a God, but we will never know him as our Heavenly Father until we come into a personal relationship with him through Jesus Christ. We all long for forgiveness. We all know that we do and say things that are wrong and hurt others and they hurt us. And we end up riddled with guilt. Deep down, there is even greater need forgiveness because we know that we have rebelled against God and our maker. And we long to have peace with God. And we can only have that peace with God when we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, when we ask him to forgive us. And I begin to have a relationship with God through Jesus. You will never know the true meaning of love until you're forgiven by God. And the more you realize you're forgiven, the more you love Him and others. The third gift was myrrh, it speaks of death. It's a spice used to embalm bodies in order to replace, prepare them for burial. So why was that given to a new baby? Hands up those who'd like that. In John's record in chapter 19, verses 38-42, we read that after Jesus had died, he was taken down from the cross, and Nicodemus came with myrrh and other spices, and with Joseph of Arimathea wrapped Jesus' body with the spices. Isn't it amazing? God arranged for the Magi to give Jesus the gift of myrrh because God wanted the entire world, including you and me, to know that his son, Jesus, was born to die. In fact, his name means he shall save his people from their sins. There's only one who can do that, and that is God. Yes, Jesus came to die. He grew up and he lived a perfect life, but he died as a criminal. Not for what he'd done wrong, but for what you and I had done wrong. He died in our place. He could pay the price of our sins because he's spotless, And God, a holy God, demanded a perfect, sinless sacrifice. But Jesus died in triumph. He rose again from the dead. He defeated death. He broke the power of guilt and fear. Our greatest fears are the fear of death and the fear of the unknown. As Jesus conquered death, he rose from the dead. And because he lives forever, we know the future is safe in his hands. I'm no longer bound by guilt because I'm forgiven and I'm free. Because he's risen from the dead, I need never be alone again because he sent his spirit to be with us wherever we are. I find it truly amazing that God gave the Magi these gifts to announce the world that baby is God. God arranged for Jesus to receive the gift of gold as a sign that he is precious. He's a king, he's pure, he's the truth one true reality. God arranged for incense to be given to Jesus because it's a sign that he is the one who provides a way for us back to an intimate relationship with God as Father. And God arranged for us, for Jesus, to have a gift of myrrh to tell the entire world, you and me, to know that his son Jesus was born to die The final, perfect, all-sufficient sacrifice to show us how much it cost God to win us back and how much God loves us. God broke into the world's history at Christmas. The wise men saw God in the face of the child. This Christmas... Please don't worship the wrapping, worship the gift inside. Don't worship the manger, worship and miss the child. Please don't worship the baby and miss the king. As Isaiah said, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders, and he will be called a wonderful counsellor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will sit on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Without a Christmas, a first advent, there would never have been a life and words of Jesus. Without a Christmas, there would have been no Calvary and Jesus paying the price of our sins and shedding his blood to cleanse us. Without a Christmas, there would have been no resurrection of Jesus from the dead, triumphing over death and hell. Without a Christmas, there would have been no ascension and Pentecost. Without a Christmas, there would be no second coming a second advent, when he returns to take us to be with himself forever, where there will be no more sadness, no more crying, no more pain, no more loneliness, no more witness, no more injustice, no more fear, no more night, no more death, no more endings. Please, will you stand? Christmas is all about a relationship with God. Today, if you know that God is not your Heavenly Father, you can. All you need to do is to say a prayer inviting God into your life. Thank Jesus for dying in your place and ask Him to forgive you. I'm going to pray a prayer that you can follow. It's going to say, sorry, please, and thank you, so you won't feel embarrassed. We're all going to say it out loud, okay? Just imagine Jesus as a man, not as a baby, as a man standing in front of you, and just say after me, Lord Jesus Christ, Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for coming to this earth for me. Thank you for coming to this earth for me. I realize now that the baby of Bethlehem is God. I realize now that the baby of Bethlehem is God. You are a king. You are a king. You are the truth. You are the way back to a relationship with God. Please forgive me for all I have done wrong. I now turn away from them. I realize that you died on the cross for me, and now receive your forgiveness. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with me forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time this morning, you've just begun the most wonderful journey of your life. And you've become a child of God, part of his family. Would you like to just give me a wave? I just want to pray for you. And then at the end of the service, we'd like you to come to the front. And we'd just like to give you some literature and to pray with you again. Thank you. Thank you more. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I thank you for those that prayed that prayer for the first time this morning. Lord, I ask you to fill them with your Holy Spirit. Give them the new joy of Christmas, of knowing that they have a relationship with Their Heavenly Father, and that you will never, ever leave them or forsake them, that you will be with them from this moment on. Give them the royal joy and peace of a new life in you, I pray in Jesus' name. And Father, I pray for everyone here today. Thank you for bringing us here. Thank you for these wonderful families. Lord, I pray that you'll bless every marriage here, every family here. Lord, every home. Bless them in every way, their finances, their health. And Lord, may they know the joy of your presence, your smile on them. May they celebrate the wonder of your incarnation, for I ask it in Jesus' name. Please be seated. Thank you.